Hello, this is Satyan Raja, and you're listening to News for the Soul. Be open in your mind, your body, your being. Next on News for the Soul, it's time for Breaking Through with Grace Gideon. Grace is a passionate and dedicated international life coach with a bachelor's in law, a master's in East-West psychology, and an expert in addictions. Grace combines these skills in her practice to clinically and intuitively diagnose and break through subconscious issues that prevent you from achieving success and fulfillment. She has a unique capacity to tune in to repress psychological and emotional blocks and to teach effective techniques to transform your life in a deep and long-lasting way. And now to help you make your next breakthrough, here's Grace. Off I go. Welcome back to Breaking Through with Grace. So this week I want to continue the conversation we started two shows back on relationships. For those of you who listened or who can check my website or news for the Souls website, that was the topic of conscious relationships. And there's so much to explore in this area that I'm going to be making it a recurring theme for for a few shows, maybe not all consecutive. So just um, have a look on my Facebook and you'll know uh, what topic is coming up because I'll be having guests as well. But relationships is a topic I will revisit um, and so that you end up with a series of podcasts and assignments to help you gain insight and some level of confidence in this rewarding but challenging area of life. So uh, if, you, um, if you remember, or if you go back and listen on my 10th of April show, I talked about the notion of a conscious relationship. And a conscious relationship, I essentially said, was one where you and your partner are awake and alert on a psychological and emotional level and you're moving towards your mutual soul growth. You're awake and alert on a psychological and emotional level and you're moving towards your mutual soul growth. Today, I'm going to talk about the unconscious relationship and I'm going to compare the two. Now, why would I want to talk about unconscious relationships? Surely that's not divinely inspired. Well, one, because they're more common. Uh, Two, because um, it's essential that we be able to talk about one because you can't know one without knowing the other. So stay tuned for that chat in a couple of minutes. But first as has become customary, I like to do a brief recap from my last show. On that show two weeks ago, the 24th of April show, for people interested in this topic and who want to go on my website or News for the Soul and listen to it, I had the pleasure of welcoming a fabulous guest, the multi-award winning home and lifestyle designer, Jane Brown. I interviewed Jane about how she's managed to combine her personal self-transformation work with her professional interior design skills so that when she works with a client in their home, she brings to them the experience of having the transformation of their living space as part of their own personal transformation. So from the inside out and the outside in. And she talked to us about expressing your personal desires, dreams and ambitions through the space you inhabit and also being able to get rid of emotional baggage and emotional clutter through decluttering your home environment. So some of the essential points we covered there and as you can see from the way I framed that is how the macrocosm 
reflects the microcosm and vice versa. The global impacts the local, local and the outer impacts the inner realms of our existence. We talked about how interdependent and interconnected we all are and that if we disregard any aspect of our physical environment, this can and does have profound effects on our emotional and psychological well-being and the well-being of those around us. We mentioned a few studies on how our mood, our stress levels and our image affect our ability to manifest our, whatever we want in our lives and all of these are impacted, impacted by the spaces we inhabit. I also mentioned that in my own private practice, I've noticed from a clinical standpoint that people's external environments are often subconscious statements to the world about where they are at mentally, developmentally and emotionally. So a transformation of your external environment can often shift your mental and emotional maturity at times and, uh, and, and help you move to a new level of growth. If you're interested, Jane gave some excellent tips on how to prepare your bedroom to welcome a loving partner. She answered the question of, is your bedroom keeping you single? And she talked about four types of clutter. She called them common, complex, subtle, and hoarding, and how to get decluttering <coughs> um, of all these different types of clutter. So please go back, have a look at the assignment I gave on, on transforming your living space on my website, www.gracegedeon.com. Listen to that podcast. So lots of good stuff there for you. Now, let's get back to the topic of relationships. Okay. Are you ready? If you've got a pen, it would be useful because some of these concepts kind of require a bit of reflection, make a few notes. If you don't have a pen or you're just doing something in the kitchen and happen to be listening or driving, then listen to it later. But I'll give you the best I can right now. On the 10th of April show, on the 10th of April show, for those of you who want to revise, I stated that a conscious relationship was where you and your partner move towards the goal of wholeness by fostering each other's psycho-spiritual growth. You and your partner move towards the goal of wholeness by fostering each other's psycho-spiritual growth. This is what I call a mutual, remember the word mutual, a mutual process supported by a divine harmony. I love that line. A mutual process supported by a divine harmony. So that's a nice philosophical statement even if I do say so myself but what does this really look like this is the nuts and bolts and again I might say to you this is the nuts and bolts but really I'm just giving you a lecture on a topic so the nuts and bolts are going to be when you dig deep into it yourself and do the work but let me give you a framework for the kind of work that I would suggest 
I'm going to give you four checklist items for you to take personal stock of how you operate in relationship and the quality of your relationship. Number one, first and foremost, in a conscious relationship, remember we're going to compare and contrast the two. So I'm going to rally between conscious and, and unconscious relationships. So try and stay with me. First and foremost, number one, in a conscious relationship, you acknowledge that you and your partner are mirrors for each other. What does that mean? Stuff we've heard before, but maybe if I say it in a specific way, you might, it might click with you. It means you've been sent to each other with a message. And that message is how to become your best version of you and them their best version of them. So, given that that's the context within which you're having the relationship, you look at their defects and ask the question, where does that defect live in me? And you look at their strengths and ask the question, where does that strength live in me? And your partner does the same. When things are easy and going well and you don't have technical glitches like Nicole and I had and other things, you enjoy the relationship. You just coast. It's easy. It's wonderful. Happy days. <clears throat> when things are tough, what happens in a conscious relationship? Somehow, somewhere, you dig deep and you find the capacity to acknowledge the divine gift coming to you via your partner. You spend time learning the lesson, working through the projections, deciphering the code, healing the wound. You never, ever, ever shoot the messenger. Your partner is the messenger. The message is from God as a statement for your growth. And in a relationship, the statements come from the divine for the mutual growth of the people in the relationship. And of course, this applies to other key relationships in your life, but I'm just talking about it in the context of um, partnership here. Let's go to the unconscious relationship now. In an unconscious relationship, you really don't see each other as mirrors. Instead, you might start seeing off see, seeing you might start off seeing each other as maybe the dream come true, like I did with my husband. Oh, he's such a dream come true. He's everything I ever dreamed of. Looks like Elvis things like Elvis, feels like heaven. Or you see them as some sort of saviour if, if you, you're, you know, you kind of want to leave home early because your home's unhappy or some part of you's not working. They're a form of escape or an opportunity for completion or some other, some other version of some incomplete part of you, but you see them in that illusionary way. Then, as we've all heard before, when the honeymoon is over and the dopamine and 
endorphins start to wear off. The real healing work that God brought you together for should start. But sometimes instead of the healing work starting, people say, oh, this isn't good for me. This is, they don't see that it's actually healing. They see something's gone wrong. <clears throat> the magic's worn off. And at times you start to see the other person as an opponent. You notice their faults, you become disillusioned, you become disappointed, you become disenchanted, and the conflict and the power struggles start to build. You start talking to your family, your friends, they start talking to your family and friends, you avoid, you stay at work longer, you you take up golf when you've never played golf before, anything because you know, the dream's fallen apart and you don't actually know how to learn your lesson because you haven't been taught that this relationship is a mirror, that this relationship is an assignment, that this relationship is here for you to grow and for them to grow. You kind of thought it was an arrival rather than the beginning of a journey. And you kind of hope for that. I certainly do. Like, you know, after all the relationships I have, I keep thinking, oh, God, now at the age of 54, let's hope the next relationship is an arrival and I can just relax. I, I still hope that, you know. I'm not kidding anybody. But <clears throat> I know deep down that there's assignments in it. I'm just expecting and hoping that these assignments will be different, better, and not the same as the old assignments because I'm hoping that the universe has decided that I completed my last lot of homework so I've evolved to a new level. So it'll be a very interesting journey. <clears throat> Sometimes when you get into these unconscious relationships and you know they're going wrong, you start thinking it's your job to convince the other person, person to change. And here comes that famous therapy line, I want you to change because I'm not getting my needs met. Marianne Williamson says in, in one of her relationships um, CDs, no one is here to meet your needs except God. Stop asking for your needs to be met. Of course, you know, in, in, when you're doing codependency recovery, it, that's not a blanket statement. Um, uh, it's, th there are components of communication, but... If your drive is my needs met, my needs met, my needs met, that's not going to work because there is an essential obligation on you to, to meet your own needs, not demand them from another person. That's different to the requirement to communicate who you are. And again, these are nuances that I would have to workshop with you so you don't take these general statements that people make in lectures and misinterpret them. And you're more than welcome to write to me or call me, go on my website and get clarity on that. But generally speaking, you know, you start saying, I want my needs met. I need you to change so that I can be happy. I need you to change. I need you to change. Or if you're insecure, you start changing yourself. How can I change? How can I change? Or he'll leave me or she'll leave me. How can I change? How can I be better? How can I get it right? These forms of change are not the kind of change I'm talking about under the heading of mutual soul growth. 
Your assignment from the universe to change is not to change them or to change you to avoid your unresolved abandonment pain. It's to change, to grow and heal that pain and not require your circumstances around you to have to change for you to evolve. If you start getting them to change or if you start changing so they don't leave you and doing their work for them and picking up that self-help book for them and enlisting the therapist to help you help them understand and see the error of their ways, that's kind of like, like being a kid at school doing somebody else's homework for them um, so that they'll like you or not bully you. That's the wrong behavior based on a fear-based motivation and neither you nor the other person truly grow and benefit. Okay, so when you start picking up books and talking to therapists about the other person, just really understand, is this for clarification? Is this for communication? Or is this in the desperate desire that the other person changes? And that is really doing their homework for them. You, you, you're better off spending the therapy time asking the therapist to help you change because that's what's going to help you grow. And if your partner is on the same level and the growth is mutual, then that partner will ask, how can I grow? And you ask, how can I grow? And you both grow together. That's what we're looking for, mutual soul growth. Okay, so that first point is you see each other as mirrors and you acknowledge <clears throat> that the person has sent you a message and you, you're there to give them a message for your mutual soul growth. Now, let me give you the second point. The second point in a conscious relationship is that you accept your own and each other's humanness. You accept your own personal humanness and you accept their humanness and you and and the, the reverse applies. They accept their own and they accept yours. This means that you accept the light and the shadow aspects of yourself. And as a reflection of that authentic, real acceptance, you can admit to the dark side of yourself your partner admits to the dark side of themselves and that dark side or that shadow as Jung would describe it is anything that you hide or don't like about yourself anything you're ashamed of those sorts of bits that you want to avoid you both face up to the good and the bad in yourself you own it and you do the best you can to accept that this is part of being human what happens when you have this level of acceptance in a relationship is that judgment is removed from the dynamic. And when judgment is removed, guess what? You think about it. When judgment is removed, you feel safe. So your defense mechanisms don't need to operate. You start dropping them. And as you drop the relationships, intimacy starts to develop. If you're sitting there thinking, hey, I do this, but my partner doesn't, then I want to remind you that 
conscious relationships require mutuality. If there's only one of you doing the work, I wouldn't call that a conscious relationship. I would call it something transitional, something you're working through, something you're working out, something you're gaining consciousness in. It might be fun, it might be healing, it might even be soulful, but it's not conscious. You might challenge me on that and I look forward to hearing from you, but I've really given that a lot of thought. So what happens in an unconscious relationship? Do you have acceptance? Do you understand humanness? No. In an unconscious relationship, acceptance is missing and humanness is seen as inadequacy. Instead of acceptance, you might find something like tolerance. Or if you can't find tolerance, you'll find intolerance. Tolerance isn't acceptance. It's a very poor cousin to acceptance. It can look similar, but there's a huge difference. Tolerance has passive judgment in it. Tolerating a situation doesn't have surrender and it doesn't have the capacity to look for the greater good in the situation. On the flip side of tolerance, you might not have any tolerance at all. You might be completely intolerant with your partner or they with you. Now what we have is not passive judgment but rather frustration and a demand for change. This often happens in a relationship between the exhausted codependent and the irresponsible addict, for example. Many of us have seen people or have been in relationships where somebody is in some form of addiction and we're desperate for them to change because we know that that's necessary. <clears throat> and we try and try and we develop frustration and we make demands for change and we start off with some level of tolerance and passive judgment and then we move into intolerance. This, there, is, there is capacity for growth in these relationships but they're not conscious when somebody isn't involved in a codependent addicted dynamic no matter how much you love the person. In that unconscious relationship, your desire for change comes from your deep need to find peace and happiness through that relationship, not by bringing it into the relationship. And you believe that if you can make that person see the light, things will change. But what you need to be doing is being the light yourself that reflects to them the possibility of becoming their greater self. In 12-step programs, they call that attraction. Attraction, not promotion. You don't chase the other person's growth. You grow and reflect that growth. And if the relationship itself is conscious, they grow and reflect back growth. And the mutuality of your connection takes you to a higher plane.
Let's go to point three now. In a conscious relationship, you support, and the word is support. You support each other to heal the wounds in yourself. So why do I use the word support? I, I, I talk about support as important because I want you to understand there's a communication style that is different to what a lot of us do when we think we're being supportive. Here's what I call the communication style of support. Support is non-judgmental sharing of your reality while speaking in the first person. It's also a non-judgmental listening of the other person's reality. When you share your reality, speaking in the first person, without judgment, best to use descriptive feedback, giving specifics, not interpretations. Specific descriptive feedback. It's best to share how you feel about the situation that you're discussing. And it's best to show respect whenever you can. If you're in a major trigger and, and you can't show respect, you try and remove yourself. And if you blow it, you apologize, take ownership and return. In a conscious relationship, your communication is non-judgmental. It's in the first person. It has descriptive feedback. And you speak with respect and apologize if you don't. And you listen to the person in the same way. You listen to the person in the same way and they communicate to you in the same way. And the dynamic has honesty and flow and if, if you get to places of difficult emotions, you take ownership, you apologize, you get back, you keep the dialogue going, you're consistent and that is a mutually supportive experience where both of you grow and learn and you look for the truth in what that person is saying rather than, than battle with them. What happens to us when we're in an unconscious relationship is support doesn't come in that form. Communication doesn't come in that form. What often happens is we engage in rescuing behavior by caretaking, controlling, giving unsolicited advice. We can engage in critical behavior through inventory taking, reading them the right act, raging or shaming, or we can engage in avoidant behavior, shutting down, becoming indifferent, dissociating. These sorts of dynamics, what they do is they make a relationship shrink even further. But it makes it contract rather than expand into, into, into a more you know, um, life-enhancing um, evolutionary relationship what it does is it contracts it goes backwards it sucks the life out of both of you and there in those relationships you know what happens is you're not actually sharing your reality 
you're telling the person, this is who you are, this is what you do, this is what you always do to myself. So you're actually telling them their reality rather than your own. This is not true support. This is just basically a battle and, and it's common and we all have to break through it. So I'm going to move on to the fourth point now, but I just want to go back and say the first point is you acknowledge that you and your partners are mirrors for each other and you look for the message of, of, of the defects and the strengths in them that you've got to um, look for in yourself. You're mirrors for each other for your growth. Number two, you accept your own and each other's humanness. Number three, you support each other to heal your wounds and your shadow self. And number four, and I've mentioned this many times now, in a conscious relationship, your mutual intention is soul growth. And soul growth moves in the direction of wholeness, not perfection. Your mutual intention is soul growth, and soul growth moves in the direction of wholeness. It's holistic. It's not perfect. <coughs> Let me get on to that, my favorite point, mutuality. Mutuality is key, key, key. You can grow with your partner that doesn't want to grow because you're going to learn the lessons that need to be learned, and you might outgrow them and move away. However, when I talk about a conscious relationship, I'm talking about one that you don't have to leave. It may run its course, but you don't have to leave to be okay because there's a deep understanding and conscious awareness that you must both stretch yourselves towards your betterment. This type of union is what the Course of Miracle calls a holy union, one that makes you whole, one where you're in sync with divine will and a divine harmony expresses itself through that union. Mutuality, what it does is it engenders a kind of resonance or harmony between you. Now, don't think by any stretch of the imagination that I'm saying that each step of this experience appears harmonious and easy-flowing like you're wearing white and skipping through a field of poppies. Far from it. As we all know, growth is awkward and painful at times. What I'm saying is that the outcome, if both of you participate with honesty, open-mindedness, willingness, you know, seeing each other as mirrors, accepting and owning each other's humanness, supporting each other and communicating in healthy ways, then what happens is that there is a divine harmony that is ready to move through you and start shaping you. And what it does is that divine harmony, it, it's shaping your lower vibrations. It's shaping all the rough, dark, shadowy bits of you and refining you and your partner so that you eventually come into an obvious and evolved harmony with each other. I'm going to give you an example for this, a metaphor. Just for a min minute, imagine an elite concert band 
practicing with dedication. Okay, concert band or just big, how many ever piece band practicing with dedication, an elite band. Imagine that each individual in that band has the intent to better his or her performance for their own personal good and for the greater good of the band. Well, during practice, how's it going to sound? It's going to sound off-key for a while, right? And there's going to be frustrations and failures. It's all part of the rehearsal process, which is the growth process for the band. But because this is an elite concert band, they're committed to excellence and self-improvement. And because each individual knows that their role, every single note they play, impacts the whole ensemble, then they must cooperate. They must cooperate in order to get into resonance with each other. They have to stretch themselves for their mutual good or they're going to sound awful, like a really bad marriage sounds awful. Anyway, eventually, this elite concert band when it works enough and goes through these periods with that mutual intention for growth and, and, and betterment, they move towards integration or wholeness and they will eventually play in true harmony. And that's what we as the audience get to see and hear, the final product of the struggle for growth. That struggle that that band went through is a growing struggle. It's not a destructive struggle. That struggle had its own rhythm and in a way its own non-apparent harmony because it was intentioned, it was designed, it was orchestrated. It was orchestrated for the greater growth and betterment of the whole band even though it didn't look or sound harmonious until they achieved refinement. Do you follow me? Because their intention was mutual growth, there was an underlying evolutionary harmony that couldn't be heard and seen. When the growth was complete, the harmony became obvious. So too, in your personal growth journey, as an individual or in relationship, when your intention is growth towards wholeness, the divine harmony of the universe is in the undercurrent. It knows your intention. It's for the greater good. So it lives in the undercurrent, shaping your relationship. And the shape takes form. And as it takes form, and as it shapes you, as it, as it shapes the relationship, because you are working as an ensemble with your partner, the harmony becomes more and more apparent. This is very different from the lack of harmony in an unconscious relationship. <clears throat> he, in an unconscious relationship, the struggle is not the struggle for growth. Guess what the struggle is in an unconscious relationship? I'll give you three seconds. The struggle in an unconscious relationship is a struggle for power. The struggle in a conscious relationship is the struggle for growth. The struggle in a conscious relationship is mutual. The struggle in an unconscious relationship is conflictual. 
in that unconscious relationship, unfortunately, you might think you're there for mutual growth. You might even say it in your wedding vows. But deep down, it's not actually the core desire. On some level, in that unconscious relationship, you're resisting or unaware of the divine universal will form your mutual soul growth. Often, unconscious relationships are stuck on the level of projection. Now every relationship has a level of projection in it, positive or negative. But if you stay stuck on this level, then there's going to be codependency and power struggles. That's going to foster mutual suffering, mutual apathy, or somebody who will just eventually leave or the battle will continue and your relationship life will be diminished. Whereas if you allow yourself to understand and know that there is an intention in the universe, as Jung says, the universe is teleological. That means it has a purpose. And that purpose is for wholeness. It's to make you whole or holy. And that a relationship is a holy union. A conscious relationship is a holy union supported by a divine harmony that may look out of key. But if the intention is soul growth, you'll arrive at harmony with each other. And if the intention is is a power struggle, if the intention is a lower vibration, then unfortunately the lesson won't be learned and you won't move on to a higher vibrational level and even if you leave that relationship, you won't create a better one. You'll create a different one. And of course, you'll learn lessons. And of course, you have to go through this. And no one is saying anything with any judgment or superiority at all because I have spent many, many, many decades in unconscious relationships. But I just want to give you guidelines of the four points I want you to look at when you look at conscious relationships. Do you get the picture now? Are you beginning to see what traits and behaviors I want you to notice in yourself so that you can assess whether you're in a conscious relationship and whether you yourself are doing what's required to make that relationship conscious and whether that relationship has genuine potential to be conscious or is genuinely conscious or whether you're just kind of hoping but if you were really honest with yourself... It's not exactly right. First, do your work. First, keep your side of the street clean. First, heal yourself, and then you can answer that question more honestly. So um, I'm going to give you the assignment because we started late (coughs) rather than ask for any calls. And um, I'm going to invite you to call me um, well, not, not to call me, to email me, I'm sorry, because we don't, don't have time for calls right now, but I'm going to invite you to email me at grace at gracegideon.com for clarification or any questions. I know the material was long and dense today, so we please listen to it again. 
Oh, can I? Okay, well then, what if I give the assignment? Oh, you do have a question? Will I do the question before we do the assignment, Nicole? Yeah, let's do that. So this is coming to us from Sheila in New York. And her question is, she's been married for 23 years. 18 years Mm -hmm. ago, she started on a consciousness learning and awakening path, whereas her partner has not. Is she now constitutionally then not in a conscious relationship and what is her option to have her optimal growth mm-hmm. oh my god that's so interesting Sheila I I wrote something about that um, and then I, I, I left it out of the script because I thought we had to cut it but let me read to you what I said I said in the script <coughs> Please don't say to me, well, I do all of this, but they don't. Remember, a conscious relationship requires mutuality. If you're the only one doing the work, I'm sorry, my love, you're not in a conscious relationship. You're in something transitional. You're working something out. You're gaining consciousness. But without mutuality, the relationship might be soulful, it might be loving, it might be healing, but it's not what I call conscious. I also said, um, I also made a note uh, that don't judge the quality of your conscious relationship by how much time you've spent in in recovery or on a spiritual path. It's because there's so many aspects of spiritual growth that we can do. Like I've been working on myself for 25 years, Sheila. It's where have you put your where have you put your focus when you're doing that work and why is your vibration attracting someone who is not doing this work oh, there's there's two things i can say to you Sheila that there are people who don't do the kind of work we do which is kind of spiritual growth work on a spiritual path because somewhere inside of them they're just inherently super good loving people and they just they just do do that they're just essentially good people anyway so they they don't battle they don't power struggle they they just got like good dna and and if you've lucked into one of those relationships awesome but if you haven't lucked into one of those relationships then somewhere you're in a rescuing relationship with that person Yeah, and you might be an extremely tolerant person, (coughs) but I would kind of look back at my childhood where I learned to love somebody who didn't actually um, match me. That's what I'd look to, Sheila. And and if any of that hit home or if you want to clarify further, please email me at grace at gracegideon.com. Is that cool, Nicole? Mm-hmm. Hello. Time for one more. Sure. If you've got time, I've got time, sweetheart. Let's, let's do it. Uh, Wendy, she's coming to us from the UK. She's saying, "I need help. I don't know where to manifest a conscious relationship from." <laughs> that's cute. Okay. So, Wendy, that's a beautiful question. You're a sweetheart, just like Sheila, and I love the honesty and the vulnerability that um, News for the Soul listeners um, bring to every show. 
Um, I don't know where to uh, manifest a conscious relationship from. Okay, so um, Wendy, um, you are somewhere you are getting into either no relationship or unconscious relationships. So somewhere there are beliefs in you that need healing. When I give the assignment, write the answers to that down and send it to me and tell me the question you asked and I'll answer it once I get the content of what you're doing. But essentially... If you haven't manifested any relationships, conscious or unconscious, you're in what's called some level of emotional or sexual anorexia and we have to find out why. If, however, you've been manifesting unconscious relationships, then they're assignments. And you have to go back and one of my assignment questions is those and say, okay, what happened with that guy that that relationship didn't work? And you might ask yourself, what were the qualities in that person that I admired and what were the qualities in that person that I disdained? And you have to look for what's missing in you and you have to look for what you're rejecting in you. Let me give you an example. I, um, I fell in love a while back with this super, super awesome guy, okay, super gorgeous, right? And... <clears throat> Four things about him to like totally overwhelm me was that he was super arrogant. He had um, noble blood in him. He came from a noble family. He was extra, extra sexy. And I'm um, trying to remember what the fourth one that used to intimidate me was. He had a lot of self-discipline, a lot of containment. And I used to get overwhelmed and I couldn't talk in his company. And so that, you know, we kind of were on for 18 months, but I was just overwhelmed. My assignment in that was, why am I overwhelmed? Why am I not able to match this vibration? Well, there was a divine harmony trying to shape me and it was shaping him. And, and I, I can tell you what he had to learn from me, but I'll tell you what I was supposed to learn from him. Because my history is a history of being an overgiver and a rescuer, I didn't have good containment, you know? Um, I, I wasn't contained. Because I had weight issues as a child, I also wasn't arrogant because I, I was actually a bit more insecure, so I was always trying to make people happy. I didn't have arrogance. I didn't have containment. I, I didn't see myself as noble because, you know, I didn't come from a royal family or anything. And, um, and because of body image issues, I didn't own my sexiness. So what did I do in that unconscious relationship? I workshopped every single one of those. And if you have a look on my personal Facebook, you'll see I've now got sexy pictures of me. I've lost a lot of weight. I wear different clothes. Not because I was trying to get him, but because I want to be sexy. I know that might sound naughty, but I want to be sexy. I love that about him. So I embrace my sexiness. I want some containment. So I learned how to say no 
more often and I embraced my containment. I I don't want to be arrogant, but I want to be confident. So I turned his arrogance, because I made that mean he was confident, become more confident. Stop apologizing for yourself all the time, you know. And and then when I was talking to Marianne on the phone and she said, but Grace, you are noble. You are noble. You know, you're kind of the, the elite of our field. You are noble. And she helped me, you know, just... You know, don't think that you had to be born into the royal family to be noble. There is an essential nobility in who you are as a woman. So I took that unconsciousness and integrated it, yeah? So that's the homework. If I've done my homework well, Wendy, I'll attract somebody who is at that vibration and I'll feel relaxed into it. The divine harmony shapes my rough bits helps me to come into um, um, like a really calm place with that stuff, then I get my next assignment. Okay? Make sense? Brilliant. Next. Uh, Let me see where we're at here. We've got nine minutes to the top because we went an extra 20. um, And I want to make sure that you have enough time to talk about the assignment and also some shameless self-promotion. So let's go there. Okay. Okay, thanks, Nicole. And sorry again to everyone. Here I go saying I don't apologize for myself. But this is a respectful apology. Sorry again for the delay for people who are waiting for the show. Here's the assignment for this week. Review your current relationship. Now, if, if you want to do it straight away, write it down. If you don't write it down, it'll be on my website within 48 hours okay review your current relationship and if you're not in one review your past key relationships yeah you don't have to do every single one you could do a composite but review the current relationship or past key relationships if you've never had a romantic relationship review your relationship with one of your parents or both okay and ask yourself these questions Number one, do I acknowledge my partner or my ex-partner as a mirror of myself? That was our first point. As a mirror of myself, reflecting back to me defects and strengths that I need to own and address. Number two, what do I or did I see in them that I disown in me. I just gave an example of that. What do I or did I see in them that I disown in me? Number three. This is again an extension. What lesson were they sent to teach me? Have I learnt it? What lesson were they sent to teach me? Have I learnt it? Number four. Do I understand the difference between tolerance and acceptance? Let me give you a hint. Tolerance has passive judgment. Acceptance has surrender. But I want you to expand on that. Don't just do what my son does in school. Give a two-word answer. Expand, explore, 
Number five, do I know how to support my partner in healing their wounds and shadow self rather than, remember the categories I said, rescuing, which is fixing and controlling, criticism, which is blaming, or avoidance, which is shutting down. Do I know how to support my partner in healing their shadow self? And do I communicate effectively? Put that under that heading. I put, you know, loving, healthy communication under that support heading. And finally, number six, my favorite. How mutual is my relationship in terms of commitment to soul growth? Am I or have I ever been in a relationship where the intention and the action was above all mutual soul growth? Or am I longing, hoping, hanging out in something that's not really for my greater good? Or am I the person being pulled along by someone else? How mutual is my relationship in terms of commitment to soul growth? Am I or have I ever been in a relationship where the intention and the action was above all mutual soul growth? That's the assignment. Okay, so for what can I say for shameless self-promotion? What I'd really love is for people to go back over the shows I've done so far. I've had life, life of disappointment to a life of divine appointment, self-esteem, two shows now on relationships and um, the show on reordering your living space as a reflection of personal transformation. Go back over them, do the assignments, do the work and please, if you've got any questions, email me. Look at my Facebook page. I put up quotes there that fit these themes. If you can and if you want to, book a one-on-one. It's on my website. The assignments are under the radio show tab on my page along with the podcast. And um, that's it, really. Just look after yourself. Dig deep. Ask questions. Seek clarification, keep calling, and thank you for joining me today. The next show will be Monday, May the 22nd at 3 p.m. Pacific um, Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. on the Tuesday for Aussies in Sydney. And that's it, Nicole. I'll just say goodbye to everyone. That'll be when we're on, and thank you so much, Grace, for going in the flow. Speaking of which, to all of those of you on the board, we're going to go with the flow by resetting the board right now. So you're going to get cut off, give it five minutes, then call back in, just in the interest of no more electronic glitches. Yay. Thanks, Grace. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Nicole. See you in two weeks. All right. Grace Gideon is all linked up at newsforthesoul.com, as are all the other wonderful hosts, the News for the Soul family here 
at newsforthesoul.com. We're just going to do a reset because we've had so many strange things going on. One of those days. So stay tuned. We'll be right back right after this. This is Nicole Weaving, News for the Soul, life-changing talk radio from the uplifting to the unexplained. It's a great honor to have you on the show today. 